0: Good morning, 11 o'clock. How are you doing today? Yes, I like it. I can work with that. Good to see you. Those of you who are here in this room, those of you who are in our overflow space, and if you're watching or listening online right now, it is so good to be with you. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church, and I love being. I love when we get together like this on the weekends. I love. Being with y'all. I love all that God's up to in our church, and we get to kind of experience a glimpse of that when we gather here. One of the things that we've been doing this month is we've been leading tours through our new space next door, our transformation center next door. And I don't know if you've had a chance to walk through it. It is amazing to see what God is up to. And so, if you received an email with an RSVP, we'd encourage you uh, to do that, to show up and sign up for one of our tours. We only have a few left. Uh, And then each Sunday, for those maybe if you didn't get an email or an invite, somehow we missed you in the process, we're just opening up the doors on Sunday. So right after this gathering, you can walk right out by the new space, and we would love to tour you through that. And we want you to see it now because it's getting less messy each week as they're finishing up way ahead of schedule where we thought we'd be. We want you to see it while it's still messy. And we want you to get a little messy with what God's doing around here. So you can go right after this gathering today to tour through this space. We would love uh, for you to do that. We're in a teaching series this month called An Unstoppable Force. We're looking at how you and I can live unbeatable, undefeatable, unimaginable lives with God. Specifically, when we get what God has dreamed of and designed the church to be, And this weekend, I want us to spend a few moments looking at when it is. When do we become, when do you become an unstoppable force? When does that happen? And before we get to that, I thought what would be fun is to do a little pop quiz. It may not be fun for you. It's fun for me. And because uh, I, I know it's I, this is like the last time you thought you'd be t- taking a pop quiz. It's summer and a Sunday. This is like categorically not a time for quizzes. But I, this is an easy one. The answers are one word answers and there's no wrong answer. So everyone gets an A. So all you have to do is turn to the person next to you. I'm going to say a word or phrase and it's word association. You have to say the first word that comes to mind when I say it, okay? It's not hard, right? You can, use the first. Now we're in church, so just keep it clean. You know, I'm just, but first word, all right? So that's it. And all you have to say is, one word. So I know introverts, you're freaking out because it's the second time we've made you talk to someone today. This is not what you came here for. Introverts, it's one word. You can do that. Extroverts, it's one word. That's all you get. Does that make sense? Okay, first one's really easy. One word. First word you think of. Top of your head. First word you think of when I say the word Chicago. Go ahead. First next to you. Cubs. Cubs. All right. A lot of different things. Okay. Good. See how easy that is? Everyone wins. Super easy to do. All right. Next one. We're going to take it a little bit further here. I want you to get honest. Again, don't overthink it. Greatest sports team ever. Go ahead. What's the word? Ah, some differing opinions. Okay. A lot of energy around that one. Again, remember it was one word, just one word. That's all you gotta do, just one word. Again, you get how this works. There's no wrong answer other than the Packers. There's no wrong answer. What? No, come on, it's fun, I kid. All right, next one. Turn to the person next to you and I want you to say the first word you think of when you hear the word winter. Cold, freezing, no, somebody goes to say no. All right, our first gathering, we said that someone just shouted out the word devil. So I think those things are connected for him, his mind. All right, last one, last one. Again, I don't want you to overthink it. Don't give your churchy answer, just your honest, top of the head, right? First answer, when you hear the word church, Okay, you had a lot more energy for the sports team one. Come on. All right, so that's interesting, isn't it? When you when you say the word church, what people tend to think of the first word out of their mouth, lots of times when you say the word church, people think, oh, Sunday, or they think religion, or they think maybe they think community, or maybe they think building. Right? For a lot of tradition for some people, that's what the church means for them. But what's interesting is when you ask those who are not in church or a part of a church or connected to a church, what the first word is that they would use to describe church, it's a little different. And in fact, increasingly in our current cultural context, the first word out of people's mouth when they think of church uh, is actually a, a little depressing. A couple years ago, the Barna Group did a study of millennials who don't go to church, who either no longer go to church or have never gone to church. They wanna understand why it is that millennials uh, have lost interest in large part in church. These were the first words out of their mouth. They asked them to describe the first word they thought of when they thought of church. They gave them a couple different blanks to fill in. This is what they said. 87% of them, first word out of their mouth, 87% said judgmental. That's the first word they thought of. 85% said hypocritical. 70% said insensitive to others. So we're starting on a high note here today, guys. It could only go up from here. But isn't it interesting when people outside or unconnected to church tend to think of church, the first word that comes out of their mouth are things like that. And I wonder, I wonder if it's because when we think of church, the words that we think of when we think of church are not actually what God thinks of when he thinks of his church. What do you think God thinks of? when he thinks of his church. So often what we see within churches, those who have never gone to church before, so often what we see is a far cry from God's dream and God's desire for his church. And even the word itself has become very loaded in our culture. It's a loaded word, the word church. So I thought what we'd do is actually... Let's understand what we're talking about when we talk about church. Specifically, as we've been reading through the book of Acts for this whole month, what were they talking about when they were talking about church? There's a word that's used consistently, although not exclusively, to uh, describe church. The word in the New Testament to describe church is the word ecclesia. Everyone say ecclesia. Ecclesia. Y'all didn't know I was gonna bring some Greek up in here today, did you? <laughs> Ekklesia. It actually comes from two words. That first word that it comes from, not surprisingly, is the word ek. And that word actually means of or from. All right? So you have the, that's kind of where you start with this, that it's out of or from. And then the second word that it comes from is the word kaleo, which is actually like paleo, like paleo diet, but just exclusively kale. That's all you can, <laughs> and that's not actually it's in your Bibles. Read your Bibles. That's not actually what it means. That word kaleo means to call. "ek" out of or from kaleo to call. When God was talking about, when the Bible's talking about the church, what they're really talking about is called out ones. Called out ones. Not a building, not a program, not a denomination. Called out Ones. That's what they were talking about when they were talking about the church. That it's a community of people called out of, called out of everyday life into a transforming life with Jesus. Called out and created by God to live lives of radical love and joy and grace and forgiveness and freedom. Ecclesia, called out ones. Called out of hopelessness into hope called out of fear into faith, called out of me first into others first, called out of partisanship into partnership, called out of monotony into possibility, called out of darkness into light. When God's talking about the church, he's talking about the called out ones and maybe, just maybe, the reason the world doesn't like what it sees when it looks at the church is because all it sees is more of itself. And it's looking for more. And it's expecting more. It's looking for ecclesia, called out ones whose life have, lives have a greater meaning and purpose and passion to them because they've been transformed by the living Jesus. Now, I've mentioned to you before, I I was someone that grew up in church. I know a lot of our church didn't grow up in church. I'm part of the minority in this church that actually grew up in church. And in fact, my mom worked at the church that we went to, which makes sense. And she was, in fact, the principal of the Christian school that I went to, So many issues in counseling. But past that, so I was in this thing from like day one. I was part of this thing, kind of born into it. And one of the things we used to do as a family was we would go to the Christian bookstore. Not a lot of those left anymore. There's not a lot of bookstores left anymore. But you used to go to a place to get things. And so we would go, (laughs) times have changed. And so... We would go to the Christian bookstore, and what my brother Justin and I would love to do is we'd love to go over to the music section. Now, you don't even probably think about this now, but there's like whole radio stations that play Christian music 24 hours a day. Not so when I was growing up. Christian music was a new thing, a new phenomenon. And so we would go over to like the Christian music section, and I remember thumbing through the albums and cassettes. That's like, you know, how long ago this was. And above them would be signs. And this is, I remember this to this, this day, there would be signs and little posters above each kind of section or featuring specific artists. And it would say this consistently, it would say this. It would say things like, if you like Metallica, you'll love Angelica or something. I don't even know. Something like that. Not kidding. If you love Run DMC, you'll love Run to JC. Okay. So I don't know if that, that probably wasn't that probably wasn't actually one. And I just remember those signs and kind of flipping through and, and, and looking, oh, okay, so if you like this thing that, you know, people really are into in the world, you'll like this different, often not as good version of it without the swears. And so that's kind of like a picture, I think, so often of what the world thinks of when it thinks of the church is that it doesn't actually see anything all that different. And God created and called out his church to actually be more like Jesus and unlike anything else in this world. And so we're not about if you like this, then you'll like that. We're about something radically different. Another way, a way that actually comes from and leads to Jesus. And so at the risk of repeating myself, I actually, what I wanted to do is Something a little different in this teaching series this weekend. I want to go back to the passage that we actually began with a couple of weeks ago in Acts chapter 2. But I want you to look at it through the lens of ecclesia, called out ones. I want you to look for that in this passage that kicked off our teaching series. So grab a Bible, if you would please, and open to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is in the gray Bible. Do you see there's a gray Bible in the seat back in front of you here in an overflow as well? Or maybe it's in front of you, under your seat. Grab that and turn to page 759 in the gray Bible. Now we say this all the time. Uh, If you don't own a Bible and you're interested in exploring who this God is that we talk about every week uh, and you don't have a Bible, please steal a Bible from church. Nothing makes us happier then you stealing a Bible from church. I, I, we love that. And every week when I get up to teach, I just grab the Bible that's right under my seat, just like you grab the Bible that's right in front of yours. And when I opened up to Acts uh, this morning to get ready to preach, there, there were underlines and circles and someone had been taking notes. And I love that because one day someone's going to steal this Bible and you've given them a head start. So grab a pen. We're going to circle a few things. We're going to read a passage that might be familiar. In fact, we started this teaching series with it, but I want to read it to you again through the lens of Ecclesia, Acts chapter 2. This is the account of the very first church. There was no church before this church. There were no professional Christians among them. Many of them had recently converted to the way of Jesus, and yet they were forming the church. There was no church planting conferences or books for them to read This was brand new. The world had never seen anything like this before, and it hasn't seen anything like it since. So that's the context that we come to in Acts chapter two. It's brand new. And look at what they begin to do. Acts 2, 42 says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And it says, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, this is a foundational and formational passage about the church, it really for this church. This is a lot of what we built this church on was this idea. And while we've been talking about it all month and what it looks like to be a part of an unstoppable force to go all in with what God's up to in this world, I actually want us to go back to the passage we started with, and I want you to look at it again through a different lens. So I want you to look at it up on the screens, and I want you to see if something begins to pop out to you that consistently repeats throughout this passage. In fact, you know what? We'll give you a little help. We'll uh, we'll highlight a few things for you. Do you see it? Everyone, all, everything, anyone, Every day. Everyone, everyone was caught up in, wrapped up in, everyone got the vision of this ecclesia. And all that they had, all the believers, all they were all in. There was no holding back from God with everything they had and all of who they were. Everyone, anyone was actually invited to be a part of this. And every day they actually gathered together and were the church together in lots of different places all throughout the city. This is what an all-in, everyone, everyday unstoppable force looks like when this first church thought of the church, they did not see a day, they saw a way. They didn't see a place, they saw people. Because the church isn't a a day, it's a way. It's not a, a geographical location, it's not a place. It's people, like you and me, ordinary everyday people. And what we've done when we think of church, the first thought that we have is we have narrowly defined it to an hour and a half experience once a week that we try and make once or twice a month if we're good. And I just think the vision that God has for you and for the church is so much greater than that. That is a small vision of the unstoppable force of the church. This is an all, everyone, every day, all in Kind of vision, a transformed way of being the church seven days a week rather than just one. Amen. Now, early on and really before this church even started, uh, before Gene and I even really had the vision for this church and God brought the amazing people that he brought, uh, there was a moment that happened for us where we got this in, in a real tangible way. So this is kind of like a prequel story to the story of this church. We had a sense that God was stirring something in us. We were living in Atlanta at the time. Something was happening. God was kind of giving us a vision. He was nudging us, pushing us, but we didn't know where to or what to. Maybe you've had that as a sense that God is kind of pushing you into something new. You ever had that before? It's something new. You don't know what it is, but something new is coming. So we had that sense. And so we decided to bring in some help. Right? We need help. So we reached out to a friend of ours who's a life coach. And we'd known him for years and and he's a professional life coach. We said, hey, can we come up, can we like pay you to do what you do with all your clients and CEOs? Can you do that with us and help us listen to God for what's next in this season? And so we said, of course. And so, you know, he said he gave us like a discount, friends and family, half off rate. It was still way more than we had at that point this is bad. So we're like, all right, you're that kind of friend. So we, we, you no, know, we're friends, but business is business. So we, Pulled our resources together, and we flew up from Atlanta to Chicago, and then we drove from Chicago up to Holland, Michigan, where he lives. And as we were driving from Chicago to Holland, we kept driving past churches, a lot of churches in this area. Thank God for the churches in this Midwest, you know, people are, so we drive past all these churches. And I think it was like a Wednesday or a Thursday, we were headed, it was the middle of the week, and we were heading up there. And we kept noticing as we passed by all these churches, big churches, some of them big churches, some of them smaller churches, we'd see three cars in the parking lot, one car in the parking lot, none of the lights on. And as we're driving up there to really honestly get from God for the first time, the vision he had for our lives and for this church, we began talking, Gene and I began talking to each other and saying, well, something seem off about that? That here you have these incredible gifts and resources of space and land and building and, and, and it's only open for a couple hours on a Sunday? That doesn't make any sense. And the, People really only get to see and experience each other in the church a couple hours on a Sunday as we drove past church after church with empty parking lot after empty parking lot, something began to rise up in us. And we begin to remember the vision of what we just read in Acts chapter two, that this wasn't a couple hours on a Sunday kind of vision. This was an all in, everybody, every day, unstoppable sort of vision, and we began to jot down, even before we got up to the life coach, we began to jot down, wouldn't it be better? Like, can you imagine if the church, wouldn't the church be better if it was, it was open and available to people and it gathered in all kinds of different ways and all kinds of different places, seven days a week rather than just one. And so we wrote down this little equation. It's the most complicated math we had to do at that point for this church. We just wrote down seven is greater than one. That seven is greater than one, that the church is actually better seven days a week, rather than just one. And a couple weeks ago, I was studying for something else, and I was going through a bunch of old notes, and I came across some of the first notes that we began to jot down about what, you know, can you imagine the kind of church around this idea of seven is greater than one? This actually goes back to February of 2009, and I passionately wrote down this vision for this kind of church, and I actually wanted to read it to you, because it's awesome. (laughs) So this is what I wrote. I just came across. This is what I wrote. One of our core values is that seven is greater than one. In other words, the city doesn't go home and close up shop Monday through Saturday. So why should the church <laughs> preach on 2009, Jarrett? Preach on! So fired up oh, still gets me fired up to this day. And what we had no idea we thought we were discovering something. Really, what we were doing was uncovering something. That was the vision all along for the church that it would be better seven days a week rather than just one. Listen, listen. How can the church be unstoppable if it's unavailable? How can it be unstoppable if its doors are closed and the lights are off? If its people have narrowly defined it to a couple hours on a Sunday, a couple times a month at best? How can it be unstoppable? If it's unavailable, how can it have a lasting, even eternal impact by only meeting a couple hours a week? So that's why we're committed to being a a seven-day-a-week kind of church. Anytime I talk to folks about that and what that means for our church, as we've continued to grow and understand God's vision that he gave us for this church, I find myself sometimes having to explain what we mean when we say a a seven-day-a-week kind of church, Because there's lots of churches that do that kind of thing, but sort of in a a different way. Let me explain to you what I, I mean. There are, let's just take your average week here. All right, so this is Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. All right, so there's lots of churches, great churches. In fact, I would even say I grew up In a church like this, and I'm so grateful to God for it. But the idea is that the the vision of a seven day week church is to sort of fill your life with programs and things to do all throughout the week. So obviously, Sunday, that's a no brainer, right? So we do all kinds of things, point all kinds of resources towards Sunday, all kinds of staff towards Sunday. That makes sense. But then people say, well, Sunday's awesome. I had a great experience on Sunday. But then Monday comes, I got to go to work. And I lose, I, feel, I lose the buzz from Sunday. And so we say, okay, well, we'll do like a Monday men's breakfast. We'll have Monday men's groups and we'll do that kind of stuff and we'll do things for college students and they can do it on a Monday. Oh, that's awesome. And then the women say, what about us? And so he's, all right, so we'll do Tuesday women's groups. We'll do Tuesday mom's groups. We'll do Tuesday's mothers of tiny children groups. We'll do whatever, okay? And so, oh, okay, that's awesome. What about our older kids, our bigger kids? Oh, yeah, we should do Wednesday night stuff. And so let's do stuff on Wednesday night and let's kind of keep them all busy and all that kind of stuff on Wednesday. That's awesome. Well, what about me? You know, I'm a, I'm a single person. Oh, okay. Well, we'll do a singles gathering on Thursday night for you and we'll make sure that you have something to go to throughout the week so you don't get lost. Well, that's awesome. But man, Friday's got a lot of temptations throughout the weekend. We got to have some alternatives. All right, we'll we'll get you pumped up on Friday to kind of carry you through the weekend. So that way, you know, you kind of have this with you on Friday. Well, what about Saturday? Oh yeah, we got some big events we want to do Saturday. We're going to do some all hands on deck kind of events. And some churches even do church on Saturday night. You need to thank God right now that this church will never do church on Saturday night. And so we you know you so this is kind of the vision and again a lot of great churches doing a lot of great work i am who i am in part because of a church like this but what can end up happening over time is we've inverted and flipped the vision to believe that it's the church's job to keep me busy and it's exhausting for you and for us <laughs> it's exhausting being this kind of church to fill your life, to fill your calendar with all kinds of things. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about seven is greater than one. We're not talking about helping you stay busy. We're talking about helping you be the church seven days a week. That you look at your everyday life, you look at your home, You look at your job, you look at the people that you pass on your commute, you look at your friends, you look at every aspect of your life and you say, I actually get to be the church seven days a week. I don't have to wait till Sunday. I can experience God. I can experience community. I can experience a calling. I can be a called out one in the middle of a Tuesday afternoon. Wherever God has me, whoever God has me with, I actually have the opportunity to be the church, to be that unstoppable force of love and grace and freedom and forgiveness and joy and hope. I get to be the church wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, Whoever I'm with. Now listen, I, I, I wanna be really honest. I love Sunday. I love when we gather together like this There's nothing else like this in my week. Do you have anything else like this, like regularly in your week, every week? There's nothing else like this. I love seeing you. I love seeing this church when we gather together like this on Sunday. I love hanging. I love our worship. Can you believe that new song that Patrick brought to us today? It's powerful. It's beautiful. I love what goes on upstairs in Soul City Kids. It is a madhouse of transformation up there where people are loving on kids. I love our cafe. I love our prayer hall where people are literally receiving divine intervention into their everyday lives by ordinary everyday people who have been gifted to pray. I love Sunday. But let's be honest, when does life really happen? When when your life hits the wall, when your life hits the rails, does it tend to happen an hour and a half on Sunday morning? What tends to happen is life happens all throughout the week. Life happens all throughout the week, not just on Sunday. And what we find is, what I found is, I actually need the church to be bigger than an hour on Sunday. For me in my life, I need y'all to be the church. And my hunch is there have been times where you needed the church to show up on a Thursday, to show up on a Friday morning. I I remember when uh, our daughter Gigi got real sick real quick. We've talked about this before. I won't go through the details, but it was about eight o'clock at night, and she was having trouble breathing, and we couldn't figure out why. We called the doctor. We're on the phone with the doctor for 20, 30 minutes, and eventually the doctor says, listen, I don't know what's going on. You need to get her into an ambulance or get in your car and go to the nearest hospital immediately. We need to see her immediately. And so we took her in. This was around 9.30 or so and did tests till about 3, 4 in the morning on her. They couldn't figure out what was going on. What they ended up discovering was that she had a very rare uh, bacteria, virus that she contracted. Very, very rare, um, but really deadly. One in five mortality rate. And so there's our little baby hooked up to all kinds of tubes, she's just been taken through the ringer, and we're sitting there in the ICU over here at Rush. And I needed my church. We needed our church. And I will never forget the folks who showed up, unannounced, unrequested, they just had a bigger vision of what church means than an hour on Sunday and they would walk into our room with balloons or they'd walk in with stuffed animals or they'd walk in with little desserts for Gigi. They prepared meals for our family, would take them over to our home. I don't know how they broke into our house, but they broke into our, (laughs) probably a greater concern I should have. Anyway, the point is they showed up and she went into the hospital on a Monday and we were there Tuesday and Wednesday. We actually celebrated Thanksgiving in the ICU at Rush. We were there Friday, and she went home Saturday morning. And I got to experience the church all week long, and life didn't happen in that moment for me on an hour on Sunday. And the reason we make such a big deal about being a seven is greater than one kind of church is because we need to be the church When people need the church, we need to be the church. When people need the church on a Monday night at 10 o'clock, on a Thursday morning, whenever it is, we need to be the church for when life happens and people actually need the church. We need to be the church when someone is feeling lost and lonely and alone in our great big city. They need you to be the church and to be with them, to say, I see you, I know you, I care about you. They don't need you to say, can you wait till Sunday? Because I'm sure Jared will have something encouraging to say. They need you to be the church. When someone's life hits the rocks, their marriage is up against the ropes, they need you, that couple needs you to be the church with them to walk with them, to hear them, to create and hold space for them, to remind them of the promises that they made to God and to each other. They don't need another book in that moment. They just need you to be the church. When someone is struggling and wrestling with addiction and you see it and they can't, they need a church to lovingly accept them where they're at. And to hold them to God's healing and freeing power for their lives. We need to be the church. When kids show back up to school about a month from now, and they show up to under resourced, overlooked schools right here in our neighborhood, they don't need you to write a check, they need you to be the church. And as I think about our back to school bash and how we get to just show up and partner with our friends, we have the privilege to be partnered with Brown and with Debt School and we get to show up and say, hey, we're here. How can we serve you? What can we do to partner with you? Because we're committed to being the church seven days a week in all kinds of different ways. All throughout every day of the week, we are going to be the church because life doesn't happen just on Sunday. So why should church? I'm not talking about staying busy. We're talking about being called out ones, the church that God desires and designed us to be. Don't you want, like, don't you want that kind of church when your life hits the rails? Don't you want that when your kid is in the ICU? Don't you want that when you lose someone you love? Don't you want to know that you can count on some people to just show up and be with you, to cry with you, to mourn with you, to walk with you, to stay with you? Don't you want that for yourself? Don't you want to be that kind of church for others when they need the church? They may never walk through the doors of this church. That doesn't mean that they can't experience the church through you so that's what we're up to as a church that's what we mean when we say seven is greater than one when we talk about being called out ones and so I want to give you a little homework to help you towards that end and this is actually a continuation of a homework assignment Jeannie gave last week so if you're here last week and you did the homework you get a pass for this weekend how awesome is that but for those of you who might have missed it for some reason or who didn't respond and do the homework this last week, I wanna give you a chance to actually do it right now. Here's how you do it. I want you to grab your phone. Go ahead and pull your phone out. Some of you already have it out and, and you're, you're texting people right now. That's cool, keep that app open. We're going to use, no, we're gonna use that. We're gonna transform it and use it for God's glory. So I want you to, I want you to get, get your phone out and open up whatever you texted. So if you did this last week, you don't need to worry about this. But for those of you who might have missed it or who didn't do it, I want you to grab your phone. And what we're doing is we're, this whole month, we're talking about how we can go all in with God's vision for this church and take next steps of courage, like Jeannie talked about in her unbelievable message last weekend, taking steps of courage to trust God in new places. And so here's all I want you to do. With your text app open, whatever you use to text, just go text this number, text 319-96, right? so just type that in and all you have to text are the words all dash in so you got to get that dash in there all dash in to 31996 31996 all in now here's what's going to happen as soon as you do that uh, we're actually going to take $200 out of your checking account <laughs> and apply it to some awesome things we've been wanting to do for a while no that's not that, that would, I mean that would be awesome but we, no, we're not we're not going to do that we're not going to do that here's all that's going to happen you're going to get sent a link. That's it. You're going to get sent a link. How hard is this next step? This homework, it couldn't be easier. Like the quiz. This is super easy. Anyone can do this. You're going to be sent a link. And what that link is, is it's an opportunity for you to show up at one of our first serves. And what First Serve is about is all about this, is helping you discover how God has gifted you, equipped you with talents and passions and resources to actually be the church. And some of the stuff that we talk about in First Serve actually happens on Sundays. There's lots of folks that made all that you experienced here today possible because they went to a First Serve at one point and figured out that this is a way that they can be the church, and so they're doing that here on Sunday. But a lot of the stuff we do is outside of Sunday. It has nothing to do with this place or this space or this time all kinds of different ways to serve throughout the week, to be the church. Behind the scenes, you get to actually be the church and go all in and say you can count on me to be this kind of church. And when you serve behind the scenes, it has unbelievable impact well beyond anything you could ever imagine. So that's your homework is to text that in and actually fill out the link we sent you. Now, those of you who did it last week and you've been feeling like pretty good about yourself because you didn't have to do the homework just now, If you were sent the link last week and you didn't fill it out, I want to strongly encourage you to actually fill it out. And here's why. It's not because we're trying to stock the pond or anything like that. We just don't want you to miss out on God's vision for the church and how you can have a bigger picture, not only for this church, but for your life by getting involved and being the church. So if you got the link but didn't fill it out, take a second right now and fill it out. And then when you're done, if you've texted in and you're saying, I'm all in being that kind of church, that kind of ecclesia. When you leave today, there's a wall just right to the right of this room. And folks last week began filling it in, signing their names, like, you can count on me. I'm going to be this kind of church. I want to actually be the church seven days a week rather than just one. We want to encourage you to sign that before you leave today. It's a powerful picture of what God's doing, and it's a powerful picture of what's to come for our church in this next season. So that's your homework. Anyone can do that. Does that make sense? That's the kind of church we want to be. And so what I want to do is pray for you towards that end. So I'd ask you to put your phone down just for a second to stand up. I'd love to close our time in prayer today and pray that we would be who God actually called and created us to be. And I want to let you know when I'm done praying, our prayer time doesn't end. volunteers are actually going to be over in the corner classroom. For those of you who are seated in overflow, if you want prayer, just stay where you're at. If you are in this room and you want to receive prayer, just make your way through the lobby to the corner classroom. And listen to this, our amazing volunteers, people just like you, who got us gifted to pray. They went to a first serve, they got in the game. They would love to pray for you. For whatever is going on in your life, they would love to pray for you. So if you need prayer when I'm done praying, just walk right over to the corner classroom. Make sense? Okay, let me pray for you and pray for our church. God, thank you for this powerful picture of the church. Thank you for this beautiful image, God. It is so much greater than anything we would ever narrow it down to. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave your life for this church. And while we are far from perfect, we know that we have a perfect Father. We have you, Jesus, our Savior, and the Holy Spirit. We have your power and presence with us that we might actually become what you design and desire us to be. Help us to be the church that we need for others. And God, I pray as we do that we would see your love spread across this city like a wildfire, that it would consume people's hearts and minds and their very lives, and that we would see people come to you because we chose to be what you created us to be, called out ones in this city. God, we love you and we love this church and we love what you're up to in our lives and to help us to trust you with it all. It's in your name that we pray, amen. Thank you so much for coming today. I pray that God would wreck your life with his incredible love and grace. We love you, we're praying for you. Now get out there and be the church. See you next week.